1: Hello, and welcome to An Informed Life Radio on 1150 AM KKNW. I'm your host, Bernadette Pager. So glad to be here today. And with us back in the house is Javier Figueroa, PhD. We've missed him the past couple of weeks. He's been busy with his work, but we're so glad to have him back on. Hi, Javier.
2: Hello, Bernadette.
1: Yeah. So how are things in your world?
2: Busy and getting busier, thank goodness. Uh, But also, we were in the process of... uh, Selling our home, so we'll be uh, vacating the house in the next couple of months and uh, planning our trip uh, to Idaho.
1: That is huge news. Yes, um, you know n- nothing like putting um, Javier on the spot. But you know, may I ask what motivated the move out of um, Washington State?
2: <laughs> um, social, political, and economical. So it was a yeah. it was a trifecta, and uh, that was one of the uh, one of the reasons. Partially because we could uh, greatly reduce the 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 amount that we owed on our house uh also the additional 120 days of sunshine that's uh in idaho mm. and also the uh the fact that uh schools uh there are not pushing both uh crt as well as the uh mask and the vaccine mandates so yeah.
1: that
2: was those were those were big considerations for what we're, uh, for one of the for our moves
1: Yeah, that sounds a lot like, you know, when my husband and I recently decided to move, you know, there was freedom. A relatively uh, free state as far as many of those medical choices. Um, And, you know, also economic, we are at stage of life, you know, where do we want to spend the last quarter of our century on this planet? That's
2: exactly Um,
1: it. Yeah. And yeah, there's a lot of factors that go into it, but I know if you're like me, I was born and raised in Washington state. Um, That will always be home home in a certain amount. And I am always going to support, uh, and continue efforts in Washington state. And I hope yeah. you will as well, along with me.
2: <laughs> no question about it.
1: Yeah, that's great. Well, our guest today um, is, is another favorite person is, of mine. His name is Bob Runnels. He's in Washington state. And I don't believe he's about to, hi, Bob, about to jump ship. And I'm going to read to you the, okay. one of the briefest bios I've ever been sent. So this is it. Bob Runnels, permanent skeptic, icon class. With degrees in engineering and business, and who smells a rat. I just <laughs> love that. <laughs> so, you know, Bob and I met, what was it, uh, 2019, was it, during the big push in Washington State to, um, to try to remove the, first it was the personal exemption to all Um, Mm -hmm. vaccines required for school. And then they reduced it to the personal exemption to the MMR. And we did lose that fight because of a lot of misinformation pushed out by public health and by the secretary of health trying to make everybody fear that it was widespread in Washington state when it was really just this narrow, very small group of individuals um, that had it, but that's, that's a topic for another radio show. Um, so, you know, Bob has been very instrumental in, in the past couple of years. I re I admire Bob, your intelligence, your organizational skills, your insights, you know, your experience in life on this planet and what you bring. Um, so I'm so glad you were able to come on the show today because, um, it was, it was sort of Partly your idea to help individuals who want to be active, who want to communicate with public health agencies, specifically with the Washington State Board of Health, in helping them communicate better. Um, so uh, before we begin that, though, I'm going to I'm just going to be quiet for a second and let you say a few words, if you will, um, about where you are now and your motivation for being here.
3: Thank you, Bernadette, for having me. I love the radio show. How many, uh, how long has the show been on? It was before the pandemic, right?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I think we're in our third year, but I, I need to, to look it up. It, um, Congratulations. Yeah, thank you.
3: Yeah, Yeah. so yeah. I, uh, at least for today's topic, one thing that motivated me was uh, we have a lot of people who are awake and aware of the ongoing you know, government overreach, if you will, for the pandemic response, and they're frustrated. And a lot of them don't get active, civically. And so mm-hmm. I think that they want to. They talk a good game, maybe. Uh, a lot of us do yeah. submit our comments. Yeah, uh, I, I am remiss sometimes, too. But just getting off the dime is half the battle. So I think if we could have a, a session today to go over uh, how to get people off the dime and, and pick up the, the quality of their comments a little bit, uh, that, that would be the goal for today. But again, uh, I, I'm in this uh, for the truth. I think the truth needs to be revealed in all cases. Mm-hmm. You can't make an informed decision.
1: And that's that's, really, that's fabulous. That
3: yeah, you guys do.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Bob. And thank you so much for all that you do. Before I begin, I wanted to share um, with listeners here an email that I received um uh, following last week's show, because I had made a comment that I thought that never before had it been so easy to manipulate the public and give them false information and sway them in a, in a very dangerous way. And I got this really great email from a listener. And I, I asked her permission to share it. She said yes. So she gave me a, a nice little intro. But this this part I want to read to you. She said, you are mistaken that it's easier to misguide the masses today than in past years. Whether in small towns or in big cities, humans have lived in tribes, small groups that relied on each other for financial, physical, emotional, and social stability. Normalization was and is common in how the group acted and how the group thought it was perceived by outsiders so the leaders could maintain control. Um, In the long-known human histories... Uh, Nigerian scrolls, Chinese, Egyptian, Greek, Roman empires, Bible and era, eras of illiteracy, needing others to read for them, there was the power to manipulate the masses. Undesirables speaking about inconvenient truths would have only have an audience of locals. And if they got too loud, they and their families would be shamed, threatened, imprisoned physically or mentally, burned out, vanished or sacrificed to the gods. New translations or rewrites by so-called experts have been revising history forever." That is so true. She's just, she must be a student of history. This is so well done. Printing books and their distribution was and is very expensive and like most media was and is controlled by a handful of corporate financial hoarders that needed or needs government approval for business licenses. To print books, newspapers, have broadcast or radio TV station, government can deny at any time for the public good. In the 90s, 1990s, it was Informed Consent Newsletter, only had a couple of hundred subscribers that was printed at Kinko's by a woman who was, uh, quote, chemically injured by household products. Occasionally, she was able to give radio interviews, but she was at the mercy of the host who could have had a differing agenda or bias. What her website can now do is miraculous in comparison. The current global energies, astrologically speaking, is becoming more and more universal. All in all, all is all in all. You have to see it in print. It looks really the emphasis in the capital letters. Um, I should have put it up on the screen. Uh, Bringing the abilities to to ask and you shall know the truth. Ask and it shall be given to you, to all people and not just visionaries. Right now, we have the ability to reveal all truth about all things that we question with the technology to tell and show millions of millions a moment later. It used to take weeks. Think on it from 5,000 years of quill pens, carrier pigeons, or delivering in person, handwritten or verbally. Yes, there are more ways to become overwhelmed and more ways for those who hoard power to distract and numb us. But we also have more tools in the toolbox than ever before to rise above the clutter around us and within us, as well as the courage and the ability to shout in the storm and be heard. Proof in Point is your radio show, your website, podcasts, and their links to others. Isn't that marvelous? So she gave me such hope, gave me such insight. I love it when she put all of this in global perspective. Um, Yeah, they can shut us down, but we are on the air. We are saying amazing things right now on the air. Thanks to AM radio. Thanks to KKNW honoring free speech. And, you know, so I I thank you, um, Kathleen, for your beautiful email and for listening and for your sister listening. Uh, We're so glad you're here with us and sharing this. All righty. So with that, we're going to move on to the topic at hand. And Bob, what I would love to do is have you guide this discussion, because I know that. you've thought this through thoroughly. So I thought what we would do is have you guide a discussion about some important topics that people in in all over the nation, and specifically Washington State right now, um, are interested in. And then we'll move on to explaining how that information can be put in effective communication um, to public health agencies, including the Board of Health.
3: Okay, thanks. I'll start with the idea of of what's the purpose uh, for even doing this and thinking about ways that we can try to influence these public bodies. One of the few ways we have right now with all these remote meetings is our letter written communication. Mm -hmm. Uh, We can do public comment to a limited extent in their forums, but it's really limited for the Washington Department of Health. I think they may be giving us 40 minutes lately now that there's been a lot of demand. Normally it was 20 minutes before uh, you didn't have people lining up out the door.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And so I, I think that doing this written communication uh, in quantity, in quality, in and in a higher quality is a good strategy. And I think that uh, that's what we have before us and yeah. make peaceful change. Now, uh, in, in the Washington Board of Health case, we've had a lot of visibility on that lately as they're considering COVID shots for kids, school entry and, and daycare as well. Added to the schedule here.
1: Yeah. So let, let's give an overview to listeners who, who might not be completely aware of what's going on. So it was way back in December that the Washington State Board of Health, who it's a, supposed to be a 10-member board. For some reason, they're down to eight. They haven't filled two seats. They... Um, By Washington state law, they are empowered to be the entity that decides what will be required for daycare and school entry as far as vaccination goes. These individuals are hand-selected by the governor, so they do tend to be politically aligned with the governor and aligned with his thoughts on disease and vaccination and such. Um, So way back in December, they decided, absurdly. Um, that it was warranted to look closely at the COVID-19 shots to see if they wanted to add them to the schedule. So they assembled a technical advisory group called ATAG, And, um, of course, those were all hand selected and and several individuals, including you, Javier, um, volunteered to be on that tag to give it some diversity of stance and opinion. But they didn't even answer your emails to that. And and a nurse and a doctor, I know their emails were of requests to be on the board were also not answered. Um, And even though the information was very biased and skewed because it came from all very pro-vaccine sources, including the department of health. And even though those selected were selected because of their um, connection with public health, they all worked for and by or in conjunction with public health in some way. Um, And they were all very pro-vaccine in their stance and, um, Nevertheless, I applaud those individuals because they they very earnestly. These were all aired live um, on uh, via Zoom meeting um, and via TVW. They all very earnestly listened to what they were told and reflected thoughtfully and came back with a majority no, do not recommend. Um, do not add these shots to the schedule. And I applaud them for that because it's not easy to do to be swimming in that kind of soup and and to sit back and, and really try to make the best decision. And I thank them for that. So um, April 13th, is it, Bob, that that now now that that recommendation has be, been made, now the 10 member board of Health will be having a discussion? and vote whether or not they will take steps to add the shots to school and they have the ability to disregard what the tag recommended. So that's where we are. I'm sorry to interrupt there, but we give everybody like the background of where we are. Um, so then I'll let you take over.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And that's necessary. The previous board of health meeting in February had some uh, had a lot of attention put on it And 40,000 pages of emails and comments were received by the Board of Health, and they had to post all those. And the website still looks like it's collating and collecting additional comments that weren't yet posted. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a lot of paper for them to shuffle through. But I did scan through those public comments, took a sample of a few things. I looked for the Informed Choice Washington response and didn't find it in that first uh, nine Scan documents. You know, four thousand pages in one PDF, five thousand pages in another PDF, and and the word search couldn't turn up uh, uh, Javier, Bernadette, anybody from Informed Choice Washington. It finally appeared on the next board of health. But anyway, that was a beautiful. uh, That that would be a guide for anybody who wants to pick one topic and include that as their public comments. A lot of content in that uh, assessment and rebuttal or position statements, really a white paper for the criteria that the TAG was using to evaluate.
1: Yeah. And that is available on our website. And I'll let, um, Bob had a great idea. Um, After this show, I will create a new post at Informed Choice Washington. That's informedchoicewa.org. And the things that we discussed today, the resources we talk about, I'll have those links available as well as this recording so that you can easily go back and review.
3: Yeah. And so I, I did want to mention that for those people that did comment, they they were off topic a little bit because they thought it was about isolation and quarantine, which wasn't really on the agenda. Although the WAC, that section of WAC was being opened and discussed. That wasn't the topic. Mm-hmm. But I, I did a quick survey of the comments and I, I was nervous that they were going to be very yelly and uh, not very polite, but the, on balance, they were pretty high quality that people took some time Write their thoughts down. Some were really short and concise, and basically repeal the whole section or don't do this. Mm
2: -hmm. And
3: and and that fine. Uh, It does add to the uh, the voice, the 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 volume of the number of, uh, in the way that they had a number of comments from various numbers of people. But uh, there's still room for improvement, and or you know maybe there are more than forty thousand pages to be submitted for upcoming boards of health, and if Mm -hmm. at least start uh collecting uh, uh encouraging urging people to do the commenting and to put some some real good meat some content that yes. is persuasive in there you know it, it's it, like you said the the vote the people who are swimming in that pool are probably on the pro vax side and and i would say highly biased in a lot of cases where they just uh Think that that's the one size fits all solution but if they're if they're gonna say yes and vote yes i want them to have a lot of doubt and feel really bad about it if <laughs> yeah, yeah. contrary to all the people who are going to comment
1: yeah exactly yeah.
3: so just basically i again I, what i'd like this session to be is a, a way to help people knock down the barriers whatever personal barriers they might have Mm-hmm. Just get the comments.
2: Very one thing good. that one thing that does need to be mentioned that uh, you, you're absolutely right. The comments need to be uh, well informed, but um, again, the board of health is supposedly a uh, scientific technical group, but they are by their very nature a politically uh, a politically motivated group. They are selected by the governor, mm-hmm. um, so it's I think reasonable to address the fact that you know if the board of health votes to approve these vaccines, they are literally taking um, a a hatchet to the public education system, as well as to the trust that the public has on public health systems throughout the state. And that needs to be stated full force. Mm
0: -hmm. One,
2: parents are willing and able to pull their children out of school. And two, people are willing to basically start suing public health officials for misinformation and for uh, violating the constitution so i think political involvement is an essential part of it as well as being uh, technical and scientifically responsible with how you present your data but again mm-hmm. it's politics this has nothing to do with science it's all politics
1: yeah it is and and i had a thought and I, I just want to say it before i forget um when you do communicate with one entity such as the board of health i encourage you to cc other important officials, CC your own legislators, um, maybe your mayor, maybe your own school board. So you can make one effort, one carefully drafted thoughtful letter, um, educate multiple entities. So you don't have to feel like you have to set, you know, do them all separately. Let them be aware of what you're telling the Board of Health. Everybody needs to know, okay.
3: Yeah, that's a good idea. It gives more validity to the message too. Like your person's that confident of this message, they're willing to share it with these other officials.
1: Mm-hmm. You can yeah. share it with the media too if you happen to have a favorite yeah. media person. I do like to occasionally CC somebody that I know. You know, will pay attention and maybe uh, you know get it out there.
3: Yeah. Well, Javier, going back on your comment about it being a, a political moment, I still think that the scientific aspect uh, can be. Uh, broached can be used. I think a lot of us aren't doctors, but we can call out doctors, We can cite doctors, and and that's what a lot of the information is that uh, would provide some of the content.
2: Absolutely, and again, it's you know science or the the scientific method is not a religion. There are no priests. Anyone can read the source material, and everyone can come to their own conclusions. And that's the beauty of actually using the scientific method and not the science. The science is now a religion. The scientific method is a process. Use it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, right, good, very good.
3: So, I, I guess I, I might just ask you two, in general, with your experience. Uh, I, I've had my experience too, varying levels of public commenting. But uh, in terms of this format coming up on April thirteenth, where the deadline is actually April eighth, the Friday before, at noon to submit uh, via email, and and we'll. Bring up that email address, or we'll we'll mention that email address a couple times. Uh, we just want to make sure that uh, we we talk about what is the most effective way to get comments into the into the queue and mm-hmm. the chance that you know various people will be reading those. So, yeah. how about length? Do you think uh, writing yeah. a, a missive uh, fifty pages would be useful or?
1: No, no, no. Um, Bob, this might be a good idea for me to share, and I'll share it later on as well, but I'm going to share with you my idea of after a lot of experience with legislators, with, let me see, where did I put it? Um, Department of Health, Board of Health. the, The shorter, the better. Now, especially since we're two years into this and the Washington state board of health has been bombarded with studies. They have, they have received some citations. I would, I would grant you a thousand times, you know, um, they have the science that doesn't mean you can't send it to them again, but what they really need is just to know that you're paying attention. And, um, so this is a one pager and we'll go over it again, um, probably at the end, but the one pager is just who it's to and Ari explaining. So right off the top, they know exactly what you're talking about. You start off s- saying the subject and your stance. You say, give some supporting evidence. And the rule of threes is always good in letter writing and these things. You give three things and I encourage you to cite them. You can do that in a, um, uh, why can't I think of the, the foot, the footer? Um, or you can actually attach the documents if you want. I think it's better to probably just give them the citation link. Then give a personal story. You don't have to go into great detail, but it has to be enough detail that they know it's real. And then you give them an ask. You say you're asking for them to um, to vote no or vote yes or whatever the case may be. And then you sign your name. Um, and we'll go back over that again at the end and so you can have a very powerful impactful but short letter and this works for legislators really well because if they're getting thousands of emails every day they need and their legislative assistants or the staff at the board of health everybody needs to be able to skim what's the point of it and the most important thing is they need to know your tone and stance so they they can say hey board you, we've had 68,000 letters opposing <laughs> and five supporting, right? And, and that's really what they're looking for. Um, uh, they really don't have time for more. There's no way they're gonna read detailed 20 pages from all 60,000 people.
3: Right, there's one case I sent in uh, a 40 page. Uh, it was one cover letter yes 40 pages of a table of all the studies from the brownstone.org beautiful to our clerk board of health yes and and showing about uh, talking about natural immunity and how that actually is robust and broad
1: yeah
3: that's one case in way sure citations but the the depth the breadth of that set of citations i thought spoke volumes so i took the risk of doing a 40 pager but it was really one cover page one 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 page cover (laughs)
1: That's an excellent point. If you do have um, the the studies and the data that you want to actually submit to make sure they can't miss it. And I'm sure the Board of Health has received hundreds of full copies of that Brownstone (laughs) article you're talking about with all the citations. Um, The one pager. Um, with the beginning to end is perfect. So they can skim through that. They get to see everything they need to know. And then they see the weight of your evidence. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, good point.
3: uh, Over time, since 2019, since I first started becoming active in, in the cause, numerous, numerous legislators have told me again and again, One page, please, just one page. Yes, yes. And and this might apply in this situation, too. This is a Board of Health, not uh, elected officials dealing with uh, legislative matters. But it's it's Mm -hmm. fairly fairly similar, where their bandwidth, if you're going to have any chance to to get through the, the, they're going to get barraged again. There's going to be quite a few comments coming in before Mm -hmm. April. So uh, yeah, uh, anything you can do to keep that concise might get your message across. What?
1: yeah. and and the other concerning point, but I, and I don't want to dissuade anybody from doing this, is in our group the other night, um, somebody mentioned that they had asked the, uh, the staff, I believe it was Board of Health staff, how they handled the volume of information that came in, comes in and how it was delivered to the board of Health members. And in essence, like you implied at the beginning, all of the information is put into PDF files sometimes thousands of pages long, several batches of these PDF files, and then sent to the board over the weekend or sometimes the Monday before the Wednesday meeting. There is no time for these. And they're not reading them as they come in. They're given very little time to look all that. So that's another reason why, you know, just those beautiful one pagers fully cited, um is your best bet of just making sure what you have to say is felt. And mostly that you oppose this is the most important thing. Yeah.
3: Right. Right. And I have in uh, occasion, I've seen other people do this too, or heard, you know, I just started writing and I, and I really had more to say and I just kept writing and I kept writing and it turned out to be, you know, three, four, five pages. And then I've done that myself and I've had to walk it back and start chopping and writing process. And it can take yeah. some time, but that's why I want, uh, again, if we have that that template letter that you just showed, uh, t- having done a quick poll in anticipation of this show, I did a quick poll of some of our groups. And that was the, the biggest ask. That was the most popular poll response, was a template letter would help people get off the dime mm-hmm. better.
1: Yeah. Very good. Hey, while I'm thinking of it, in the next hour of our show, we would love listeners to call in to ask any questions about this process of communicating with public health agencies or anything at all that you would like to ask Javier and I in the second hour. And the phone number, the local phone number there in Washington State is 425 425- 373 5527, 425 373 5527. I'll grab that 1 800 number for those of you who uh, might be listening out of state. I'll grab that in a bit. So, in the next hour, um, we look for your phone calls. Okay, Bob, what else did you learn that individuals want to know more about in order to communicate?
3: They love the scientific citations as well. So okay. that's something that informed choice and in the work that you've done already has is really well set up for. So we have lots of citable resources. Okay. That, Very uh, good. And, and so really, instead of trying to solve the entire debate in one really long letter, yeah. no, just one, two or three, like you said, three, three yeah. citations that support their stance and off they go. And okay. That's all they really need to do. So I think that those two things, a template letter and uh, citable science.
1: Okay, excellent. And I'm going to share now a couple of places. And again, I'll I'll do a um, a post on our website that helps. Are you seeing this here? The Utopian, Toby Rogers on Substack. So you'll just go to substack.com and search for Toby Rogers. Um, He's doing a call to action um, to tell the CDC to reject Pfizer's um, call to give the shots to children under five, which is The vote's going to come up in April. Um, So if you look at his post last week and this week, there are some excellent citations. And he is all about keeping it short and sweet and to the point as well with excellent citations. Um, So we encourage you to also join this campaign, join Toby Rogers' campaign. We cannot let our government authorize these dangerous shots for the youngest of our children. It's bad enough it's in any children at all. But, you know, the science is, is, is even worse for the children, that they're ineffective and so potentially dangerous. So I encourage you to do that. But that's a great place in order to, um, to mine some information. And then let me see. I'll find another great location is going to be our favorite where we're streaming right now um children's health defense the defender magazine so children's health backslash defender and if you click on the covid category you are going to see an amazing collection of very up-to-date um articles and all of their articles are fully cited so if you if you find a particular topic that you want to include in your one pager you can go read about it at children's health defense defender and find their citation so you can provide the exact citation the the um, primary research information. Um, For those of you um, just uh, audio right now, I'm going to read to you some of the headlines that they have right now at the Defender. Um, So a couple of them are great, but they're not relevant to COVID here. So here we have um, just today, 664 reports of myocarditis in 5 to 17-year-olds in the VAERS data. 664 reports of myocarditis. That is so alarming. Um, we have had doctors on the show who have talked about the fact that there is no such thing as there. Here, I'm going to go ahead and, and stop sharing because I want to talk about this for a second. It's so important. Public health entities like the CDC and others, you get talking heads on TV and radio saying, "Oh, well, the myocarditis that you get from the vaccine, it, it's very mild. It's not like the my, myocarditis you get from other things." There's no difference. Heart swelling is heart swelling. And every single incidence of heart swelling causes some degree of scarring. The heart is the one organ of the body that never repairs itself. This is what the experts have told us. So if you've got heart scarring, you might, it might be a little bit in such a way that you're not noticing it now. It might not be 10, 20 or 30 years from now till that scarring begins to catch up with you and cause undermines your health in some way, or it might be so severe that you fall over flat on your face when you're playing soccer, like we have been seeing around the world, but it is always, always damaging to the heart. So just had to put that out there. Um, Yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and go back to that screen and show you a couple of the other articles that you could mine for great resources. Um, Let's see in a lab study. Pfizer showed potential to alter DNA in human liver cells, and scientists caution more research is needed. Uh, We've got Biden seeking $22.5 billion for boosters for all, despite the fact that all the evidence (laughs) shows that um, by the fourth booster, I believe we're getting something called um, Javier. Help me out. I know you know that term. Is it immune exhaustion?
2: It's it's basically vaccine induced uh, auto uh, basically VADS. vaccine. Okay. Uh, yeah, uh, it's it's basically vaccine induced AIDS.
1: Wow. So autoimmune disorder. Vaccine induced um, so, AIDS stands for no acquired, acquired immune, deficiency. immune
2: deficiency syndrome. So it's okay. vaccine induced acquired immune uh, deficiency syndrome. And it's because basically yeah. you're you're shutting down and reducing the number of T cells, which is a hallmark of, of AIDS where you see a reduction in T lymphocytes in the blood. And again, it, it could be the, the data is still unsure, but it seems to be transitory. But in some patients, it's permanent. Mm-hmm. But again, anytime you see a reduction in T cells, you're going to be exposed and more um, um, uh, more susceptible to a number, a wide number of infections. And it depends wow. on the number of boosters you've had or shots you've had. So wow. the, I mean, this right now should be, uh, the fact that this is still an ongoing program is uh, scandalous to a degree that is just unheard of. And even, uh, I don't know if anyone's heard of Ed Dowd, former mm-hmm. BlackRock mm-hmm. uh, executive mm-hmm. uh, basically took it upon himself to start looking at the data associated with uh, you know, what are, what are the long-term effects of it? And he's found that there's an 85% increase in the deaths associated with 20, 25 to 40 year olds, which is yeah. the one group that you don't normally see large increases in deaths. And it turns out that because of his, uh, relationship that he's had with BlackRock and and Wall Street. Apparently, there is a large number of lawsuits being uh, pursued by several Wall Street firms to charge Pfizer and Moderna with fraud.
1: Oh, fantastic. But, you know, I want to see the FDA and CDC thrown in the mix, too, because they are supposed to be our champions. They're supposed to be protecting us. And they colluded.
2: And they colluded. Yeah. So that's also part of that's also part of several lawsuits that are now going to be okay. uh, brought forth uh, citing FDA and CDC as mm-hmm. parties culpable. And this mm-hmm. is now this could potentially turn into a RICO lawsuit uh, that uh, this is racketeering in its worst form.
1: Wow, that's, you know, um, I'm sad that this has to happen, but I'm, I'm very glad it's happening that. um That this action is being taken, and I I pray that all of this leads to a safer, saner, more protective um, world that we all live in, where uh, our medical choices are not dominated by pharma, and we we get to focus on what real health is all about. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty impressive. And Jessica, Dr. Jessica Rose, the PhD research scientist, she um, was able to replicate um, uh, Dowd's information through her independent research. And that's science needs to be reproducible, repeatable. One of the problems... We've had for a very long time with vaccine injury, even pre-COVID, was that a lot of the data is collected in the vaccine, um, the VSD, Vaccine Safety Data Link Network that's run by the CDC and the NIH and the FDA, and they refuse to let independent researchers have access to the information. If you can't repeat um, a study and get the same results and have independent people, you know, check on it, that's not science. You know, that's tyranny at its worst. Uh, yeah. So um, I'm going to share with individuals um, a website I think a lot of people know about, but let's sh- show them again. It is still there theopenveres.com. That's dot S.com. And this website. Um, pulls recent information from the federal VAERS vaccine adverse event reporting system and makes it, uh, puts it in a visual way that's very easy to to see. So as of um, March 11th, 2022 is the most recent data that they have. Um, VAERS is reporting that 25,641 deaths have been reported following receipt of um, a COVID shot. There have been 141,112 hospitalizations reported, 123,834 urgent care visits reported. Um, let's see some of the. One of the numbers I find very staggering is 47,676 reports of permanent disability following receipt of a COVID shot, and we know that this system suffers from underreporting. In fact, early this afternoon, I was listening to one of the CHD programs. And forgive me, I don't recall the um, I don't recall the name of it. It was like two hours before mine. (laughs) Um, And they were uh, or maybe it was just before mine. It was nurses that and that were sort of undercover and they were talking about the fact that in their hospital, Everybody's discouraged from reporting to VAERS. Some say, oh, I don't do it. I don't even know how to do it. I mean, that's breaking federal law to not report an adverse event. And others said, oh, you can't report just every little thing to VAERS. Well, somebody showing up at the hospital with an adverse reaction, that's not every little thing. That's not a little thing. Hospitalization due to an experience with a a vaccine is a very, or a shot in this case, is a very serious um, thing. So those numbers are very important. Um, And then there's one more place, let's see, that I had that I wanted to share with individuals. Some people want to see, uh, to provide in their own state, numbers that have to do with their state. And the best way to do that is to go to MedAlerts. It's M-E-D-A. Lerts. dot org, which is housed at the National Vaccine Information Center, a fantastic organization founded um, many years ago. Uh, Barbara Lowe Fisher, who has a vaccine injured child, um, who's now an adult. It's been so long. Um, you guys, let me know if does this follow. If I click search now, did did it keep up with me? Yes. Yay, fantastic. So um, it takes a little bit just fiddling around to figure out how to work this system, but it's fairly easy. So if on the vaccines, you wanna just click COVID-19, you can also do that down here in vaccines or vaccine type diseases. And then if you want to see um, the demographics, so you'll click open and then you can click on your state and I'll go ahead and do Washington state since that's our focus today. Let's go on down to Washington. Oops. And you can do total number. For this one, I'm gonna do um, I'm gonna do died. Let's just grab that. And then any of these find buttons you can click on and it will pull it up. So then it will search the entire database. Did it follow? Is it trying to follow? If not, I will reshare. It's still trying to pull it up on my and share this tab instead. There we go. Are we seeing this? Yes. Okay, so here we have 198 deaths in Washington state were reported to VARES following receipt of a COVID-19 vaccine. We've got a 58-year-old, 45-year-old, uh, 94-year-old. I know the most recent one, there is a seven-year-old um, in here. I think these might be in order in date. I'll go ahead and look at. Um, there was a seven-year-old just uh, a few weeks ago that was reported who went into cardiac arrest following. um... So anyway, I'm going to go ahead and stop sharing. But this, again, it's medalerts.org. You can set the parameters to find exactly what you're looking for. And, you know, um, it can be very impactful. Sometimes when you're talking about something, uh, like vaccine injury, something that's harmful, it feels distant. It can feel not relevant to me. But when you're bringing in numbers from the state you where you live and the state where those public health officials are, it hits home harder. It feels more real. And um, let's see what, yeah, so we're getting on. I'm going to go ahead and share the letter again Um
3: I will add uh, point yes. back to OpenVARES. OpenVARES does have state data now.
1: It does. Okay, good. Good. So there's a way to search for state data. I know it did in the past, and I was having trouble finding it. So I'm glad to know that it, it's it's still there. Let me get the public comment. Um so in this example that I just typed up quickly just to um, to show you what a one-pager to the mm-hmm. board of health department of health your legislator school board to show how you can put a lot of information in a very short time and I'll repeat again so you you start after you know your the dear whoever you're addressing state your posi- your position i oppose the addition of covid-19 shots to daycare Daycare and school requirement, boom, they know exactly what we stand for. Give three reasons why. The shots have been shown to not stop transmission, and that's footnoted with a citation. Any protection gained wanes rapidly, footnoted with a citation. And the reports of adverse reactions and deaths are staggering, footnoted notation there. And then you could say something like my grandmother who lives in and name the city was coerced into getting a COVID shot and she developed blood clots and her health has declined. Always give truthful information about people that, you know, Um, of course, we're not telling anybody to make anything up. I made this up because it's an example. I'm not sending this in, but there are people that I actually do know that I could put in. Um, And then you could say, like, my neighbor's son was diagnosed with myocarditis after a second COVID shot, and he can no longer play sports. And then I encourage you, if you are in a position to share more information, but you don't want to do it in a public way like this, put in contact me for more information in case they want to follow up. And then you have your ask. And I forgot to put that in my bullet point. So I'll add that when I put it on the website. And then your ask is, I ask you to not only vote no to adding COVID shots to school requirement, but to also cease supporting the marketing of their use. They are not proven safe and effective. And then sincerely, your name and the city and the state you're in. Now, you're going to be emailing this in. So they will have your contact information. They'll have your email address, and that's going to be public. So make sure you use a public email address that is okay with you being out there in public. Because once you send it to this public office, it becomes a matter of public information. It will go up on their website with everybody else's comments. And, um, and any communication you have with them can be found via public records requests. So just keep that in mind as you write this. So uh, you see how easy it is to to have an impactful letter in a very short space and provide a lot of information. And I can't stress how important it is to bring in your own personal stories, Um, either people you know injured by the shot or how a COVID-19 shot mandate will impact your family. You will move from the state. You will pull your child from school. Um, You will lose completely any shred of trust you had left in public health if they do this. Um, Whatever you feel very personally strongly, you need to share that in there because this, ultimately, this is a human to human thing, right? The People on the board of health, they might have their biases, you know, they they might be feeling a lot of pressure to mandate these shots, but they are human beings with hearts and souls and the ability to think critically, and we need to connect with them on that human level.
3: And you've done a great job, Bernadette, too, going over the things I was hoping we would cover, some of the top bits of information that people can grab onto and use that as the basis for their commenting. Um, there's also uh, such a thing as, you know, calls to reason. P- please, how does uh, a, a mutating virus get uh, get attacked by a vaccine that's fixed formulation? Oh, carbon- that's beautiful. Germany that's and beautiful. Delta, and yeah. now we're on the Omicron, Omicron Plus, BA1N2. Yes. So uh, I, I can leave that for you two guys. I think I need to run. But Okay. <laughs> of that but to me that's just like
1: bing bing <laughs> yeah a, a, another bing moment and then we're going to let you go bob is how can you justify mandating a, a product shot that wanes within months are you intending to mandate three shots a year to cover the full school year every single year you know um it it that appeals to reason. I mean, it just makes zero sense. They don't stop pr- transmission. You can't boost your way through a school year. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. 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 All right. Bob, we'll th- Oh, go ahead. Last I was thought. Just
3: say, yeah. Because uh, you can't really say it does a great job at preventing infection or transmission. You've, you've broken down the entire definition of what a vaccine should do. There's no sure. reason to mandate it now becomes if at best it's a personal choice it's just like taking advil it's not anything that should be uh something that you would mandate no yeah my last thought real quick then is maybe you could go over things that that definitely do not do with public comments maybe don't throw the f-bombs in there yeah
2: (laughs) (laughs) exactly and the other thing to remember is also you know if we're if to your point, the question that you asked, you know, are we going to require four shots or three shots for the school year? Well, why aren't we requiring it for the flu? It kills more kids. It's a greater yeah. threat to to the population, but no one's requiring flu vaccines for the kids.
1: No. Um, and, you know, Javier, I, I understand the logic of that reasoning, but I don't want to go there because they would, they meaning pharma, would absolutely love to mandate um the flu shot every year or twice a year and in fact Moderna is coming out is developing an mRNA shot that is for the flu common cold and was it RSV yeah Um, so they're not letting this go. Well, Bob uh, Runnels, thank you so much for joining us on Informed Life Radio. I'm just so glad you're here. I'm going to let you go ahead and dash off as Javier and I say, Javier and I say goodbye, because I know you have to jump into another meeting. Thank you being with us. And I think we'll have you on again in the future. I really appreciate it.
3: Thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you Mm -hmm. both. Uh And uh, we'll be talking soon. Okay.
1: You bet. Thanks. Bye. Well, Javier, we got about uh, two minutes here. Any last thoughts on what we covered today?
2: Uh, I am just floored uh, that this is still an ongoing debate and the Board of Health is pushing it forward. Um, more, more to come in the next uh, hour when we start discussing and uh, listening to the callers.
1: Yes. So please, um, in the next hour, we're going to take a break here in just a minute. If you're local, call 425-373-5527. And we also have a number one 298 5569 And I'll repeat that one. 888 298 5569. We hope you'll call in, call with your questions about how to communicate anything that you would like to discuss with Javier and I. We haven't done a call-in show in a long time. We yeah. would love to take your calls and answer your questions. We're so grateful that that there are listeners out there. I get contacted every week by some of you, and it's sometimes it's just nice to hear back that our voices aren't going out there to emptiness, but um <laughs> that that you're sure you're listening and, and appreciating and that we're making a bit of difference. This show is really for you to help you make an informed uh life, to make informed decisions. And and we do want to hear from you. So 425-373-5527 or 888 298 5569 so we're going to go on to our break. Uh you've been listening to an Inform Life Radio on 1150 AM KKNW. We'll be back in a few minutes. See
2: you in the next hour.
4: Hi, I'm Lynn Redwood, president of the nonprofit Children's Health Defense. Our chairman, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., and our entire team are devoted to ending the epidemic of illnesses and disorders plaguing our children today. Through legal action, we're working to hold industries and government agencies accountable and to establish safeguards to prevent further harm. We're working overtime during this COVID-19 crisis to keep you informed about the politics and science of rush vaccine candidates. Freedom and our children's futures have never been more in jeopardy but we can succeed. With your help, we can stop the devastation and give our children and grandchildren the healthy future they deserve. To learn more about what we're doing and how you can help, visit childrenshealthdefense.org and sign up for our free news. Please visit childrenshealthdefense.org today.
0: Are you suffering from a sinking feeling that the COVID-19 pandemic is being blown out of proportion and that nothing in the news is making any sense? If so, then there is a fact-based, science-driven news show designed just for you. My name is Del Bigtree, and I am the host of The High Wire, the world's most trusted news source in digital media when it comes to accurate, science-based reporting on the COVID-19 pandemic. From COVID-19 vaccine development to mask mandates, school shutdowns to job layoffs, the high wire goes beyond providing you with the most accurate evidence-based investigations. We send you links to the sources for all of our reporting so that you can further your own investigation and come to your own informed conclusions. High above the agenda-driven circus of mainstream media, we do not run. We do not hide from the truth. Instead, we walk the high wire. If you care about truth, then join us on Instagram, Twitter, Roku, and our website, thehighwire.com.
5: Informed Choice Washington is a nonprofit organization that advocates for healthy immunity, medical freedom, and fully informed medical consent. The right to make medical choices without coercion is fundamental to our civil liberties and a basic principle in all human rights declarations. To learn more, tune in each Friday from 3 to 5 p.m. to an Informed Life Radio and visit the website informchoicewa.org. It's time to take a stand for medical freedom. Go to informchoicewa.org today.
0: We need a revolution.
4: There's a revolution. Only-
1: and welcome back to An Informed Life Radio on 1150 AM KKNW. I'm your host, Bernadette Pager, and I'm here with Javier Figueroa. Um, and this second hour of the show, we would love to hear from listeners. So if you're out there and you've got a question, give us a call at 425-373-5527 or 888-298-5569 um, yeah so give us a call let us know what's on your mind if you have questions about how to communicate uh, with public health um, you know to kind of show your stance and be effective in in being part of the change you know javier i know a lot of us get um have moments of feeling like my voice can't possibly help right it gets yep. a little overwhelming um, But I tell you, I've been in this movement long enough that I have seen like after months, sometimes years of ping, 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 pinging away and thinking and getting no feedback and not feeling like you're denting. Then something will happen. Somebody will meet me somewhere or tell me something and they'll say, thank you for what you're doing because of you. I discovered this. Right. Right. Um, And you realize that you can make a difference. And and like that last tag meeting that the department of the board of health had, one of the reasons that the technical technical advisory group decided not to recommend the shots is because they they were able to tell because people were so vocal that what was the word they used there was a uh, there was outrage.
5: There was outrage. Yes. There
1: was outrage, and so we're peaceful. Outrage can be peaceful. We were we are outraged that they are even considering this and so that made them step back a, b- a bit if if the public is not going to be receptive to what is being pushed then that gives them pause and i had yes. in the past i heard from legislators like um you know they were going to run with a hpv bill to try to get um hpv on the through the legislature added to the schedule, but they didn't want to deal with you guys, is how they put it. They didn't want to deal with you guys. <laughs> so they didn't. Um, so you never know, you know. I know you put your information out there and it seems like nothing is happening, but all those little voices add up to one loud shout. Horton hears a hu- who? Do you remember the? Oh, doctors? yes. <laughs> Everybody shout at once everyone
2: um, shot at once let's not forget us. that also um, that um, um, excuse me I'm trying to remember now what I was gonna say um, the FDA uh, sorry Pfizer is a uh, has been cited for at least five billion dollars for breaking uh, law and
1: uh, well, in, the past, a in the past a number of the products in the past right yes. they they have been found criminally, criminally guilty negligent. Negligent yes. and also a wall of hiding um, risk Correct. information, knowing that a Correct. product would harm and kill and they hit it. How could they be still in business? I don't know. The same with no, exactly and some it. of the others. Right. Correct. Um, mm-hmm. And, um, you know, one thing I wanted to share, one of our gals, Lisa. I forgot in the first hour to share a resource and it just popped in my head here. I've got this resource. I want to share. I just completely square squirreled. I apologize there to the listeners and to Javier, but I, I just jumped topics. Um, I want to share with you here, uh, a study, um, It was the effectiveness of the BNT162b2 vaccine, which is Pfizer's emergency use authorization shot in among children ages 5 to 11 and 12 to 17 in New York after the emergence of the Omicron variant. This is a great resource for people to examine and because, you know, it was touted as saying that the products, the shots were effective. But if you go down to page nine of this thing, you see at the very bottom, when you're looking at effectiveness in the vaccine effectiveness, ages five to 11 years, as you get to be 42 days out, you're looking at negative 41% efficacy. That right. means it increases your risk of getting sick mm-hmm. rather than decreasing. Correct. Yeah,
2: and this has been replicated across multiple studies in multiple countries.
1: Okay, yeah. So multiple. There we go. Science must be reproducible.
4: Uh, um, from and sorry, not just entities. in children.
2: Yeah, but in adults. So the trends in adults that you see as in well. Children, okay, you see yeah. in adults as well.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So That's a good point. yeah. So there. I mean. Uh, Um, for individuals who want to communicate and send information, the problem isn't a lack of information. The problem is finding out what are those three main points you want to focus on so that you don't open up the fire hose and, um, and send them a flood. In the early days, I right. sent so much information. I mean, you know, in the early days of my advocacy, I just thought if a little information is good, a lot is even better. So probably <laughs> if you did a public records request and asked for Bernadette, you know, in the state of Washington, you would find um, some very long missives. <laughs> you know? But I've learned to, to keep it shorter. Um, and it can be really interesting. Javier, to see those public records requests and see the internal memos that say stuff like, don't engage with these people. Do never right. get into a scientific debate with these people? Um, is, you what's know,
2: the point then?
1: These people are the citizens of the state. We pay your salary. Yeah. You work for yeah. us. Yeah. <laughs> you need to engage with us. Um, yeah.
2: Even Even if you think we're crazy, it's still your job to engage with us.
1: It is still, yeah, to engage with us and give us legitimate answers that really address exactly what we are saying you know as we're waiting for listeners to call in i want to share with you some things that are going on here in in uh tennessee so we have got um we've got some call to actions so i want to tell people if you're not familiar with stand for health freedom get familiar with it it is a fantastic organization it's just spell it out, stand for, it's F-O-R, stand for healthfreedom.com. Um, and they do a great job of helping spread inf- um, action alerts so people know when there's things that they need to know about to take action on in their state. And now in the state of Tennessee, there's a couple action alerts. Um I'll start with a good one. Um, so there is an action alert to urge your legislators to support natural immunity. We have a fantastic bill that has made it through the House and now made it through the Senate Health Committee. There's an amendment been added. And what it does is say that no, no entity in the state of Tennessee um can write any rule policy regulation that fails to acknowledge that natural immunity is equal to or better than the COVID shot as far as being protective. And the amendment that was just added, um, shows how this can even be honored in the face of the federal requirement for healthcare workers for them to get, um, uh, a COVID shot because, um, with a federal uh, federal mandate also comes medical and religious Mm -hmm. exemptions. So if a hospital accepts as they, um, in fact, we just passed a new law in Tennessee that says, um, that you must, you must accept medical and religious exemptions. And if you don't, you have to write a letter explaining why not. And, um, And this letter may make you, if you know, I guess, depending on what your reply is, is how I've had it explained. You could be subject to a $10,000 fine for not accepting a religious or medical exemption submitted by your employer. Um, So, if you do have an employee with this and they have natural immunity, that means accommodation and done, right? Right. You don't have to do anything special they're more protected. In fact, I would suggest if you've got a nurse or a doctor um, that has natural immunity, uh, you might want them working with your most vulnerable patients, because they are far less likely to be transmitting than those who have only received the COVID shot. Is that what the science is showing, Javier? That's what I see the science showing.
2: it is. And you know what, this is an age old practice that doctors and nurses that survived an infection from a virus or a disease mm-hmm. were the ones often recruited to work with the p- populations that were actively infected and showing symptoms mm-hmm. because they knew that they would be uh, you know immune to it. Yeah. So again, this is the, these last two years have stood epidemiological, public health as well as as the scientific literature on its head trying to mandate a product that is being pushed for by pi- uh, by private entities at the expense of the public there's yeah. no excuse for it there is no yeah. excuse for it when the fda hides documents for pfizer <laughs> saying that you know you're not going to release them for 75 years give me a break this is now yeah. this is now in the realm of la la land and when you actually have a, a law group successfully suing and a federal judge saying no these re- these are required public documents that need to be released and then pfizer still fights to stop the release i can tell you right now There's so much damning evidence that uh, from what we've seen so far, Mm -hmm. Pfizer has been hiding such bad results, so many deaths, adverse events, long-term disabilities that they are now rushing to try and spin it as best they can and use whatever they can. It's damning. 3% death rate, 3% death
5: rate.
1: That's horrific. And that's just uh, what I would call short-term Reactions. Yes. They're going to be yes. far more deaths coming because of what yes. we know, we, and we've got those. The we've got doctors and scientists who are sh- and pathologists yes. who are showing the mechanisms of injury that are leading to uh, disability, long-term health um, issues, as well as as death later on down the road. Correct. Um Yeah, and I wonder, Javier, at what point will hospitals? And um, the rest of the medical industry begin to jump ship from, um, you know, being loyal to pharma and jump over and being loyal to their patients. Because right now, they are actively denying that there's a a connection to the shots given. They're forbidding some of their employees to report the adverse reactions. Um, And they are going to be caught up in these lawsuits if they don't very quickly decide to do what's right and and do real medicine and real science. Um, Yeah. So I wanted to show also another bill here in the state of Tennessee. We don't have an action alert for it, but I encourage individuals um, in Tennessee to follow this. Like, like some other States, we've got a really good um, ivermectin bill. This bill in the house, it's HB 2746. And in the Senate, it's SB 2188. Um, It will allow over-the-counter purchases of ivermectin, but the product will be behind the pharmacy counter. So in in order to get it, you'll have to go to the pharmacist and have a consultation. And there's going to be a a particular agreement done. This will be drafted and written up by pharmacists and by doctors so that there will be, you know, proper prescribing information, proper um, questions asked um, about, symptoms and and need and contraindications um concerns be, you'll be told to follow up with your physician and blah 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 but it will allow that very safe and effective product to to be available it's a very exciting it has made it through the senate health committee and it um and also through the subhouse health committee and it's going to the full health house committee next week. So we have a really big week um, here in Tennessee next Wednesday. I believe that's the 30th. Um, and I'm going to show you another uh action campaign that we have going here. On do here we go. So we've got the two, well, there's more than two good bills, I should say. And I wish I I don't have time today to go over all of them. And I am not quite sure where they are, but there's a particular bill. I really want to find out where it is because it passed the sub um, house health committee that I was sitting in. And it would make it so that you could not discriminate Um or prevent an individual from either donating an organ or receiving an organ based on their COVID-19 vaccination status.
2: thank God. Thank God.
1: Yeah. So I hope that, yeah, yeah, I'm hoping it makes it all the way through. I haven't seen where that is yet, but that's really a good one. And there's other ones that are making their way through the legislature that would require individuals in the hospital to be allowed to have an advocate with them at all Well, and that's
2: about time. That's about mm-hmm. time. And I can speak from experience. Uh, the number of times that I've had uh, a friend who unfortunately passed away, who would have died or been seriously injured if he had not had an advocate.
0: Mm. I can
2: say that in hospitals, the the systems are too large. The people mm-hmm. that come through here or through there are not. There's such a gap or there's such a disparity in terms of the uh, proficiency and professionalism associated mm-hmm. with many members there that you really, you really start to wonder what is it that hospitals are there for? Yeah. Because guaranteeing patient safety is not one of them. And the fourth leading cause of death in the United States is medical error.
1: Yeah. You do need that advocate. You know, even when you've got the best doctors and nurses on staff, when you or your loved one is there, um, they are overworked. Um, They do get what's called alarm fatigue. The bells yes. and whistles go off, and it doesn't even phase them. It doesn't they register.
5: Yeah. Doesn't
1: register. They have the alarm fatigue, and they simply cannot provide wow. that one to one care that is needed. And 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 really, as much as that is important to prevent mistakes. That emotional support. Um, when the bill passed the sub health committee, that would require an advocate to be able to be in the room, and this is following all hospital protocol. It's not saying you're going to be able to be in the ICU or anything, you know, like that. It's following, you know, their safety rules and regulations. But the legislator told about this this individual. The daughter had come to the legislator and said that her dad had been in the hospital. And he was having panic attacks and he needed her mother there to stay calm. And the hospital was only allowing her to be there two hours a day. So when she wasn't there, he was having anxiety attacks and they said, well, we can't let you stay more than two. That's our rule for right now during COVID. It's just two hours. If we break the rule for you, we have to break it for everybody. And they were pleading, said, but he's having anxiety attacks. He needs somebody with him to keep him calm. And they refused. And the daughter got a phone call that one night when her mother was not there, her father had an anxiety attack that was so bad he had a heart attack and he passed away. Yeah. So Mm. we need, you know, COVID has done a lot of things to reveal a lot of problems Mm in our hospital systems. Um, I don't want to disparage all the good people who work in these systems, but the system is broken. Correct. Um, And it really needs to be fixed. And we have to put human lives first and we are emotional beings. We are, you know, and in fact, one of the legislature, legislators sitting on that health committee, when, when the woman told the the sponsor of the bill told him this, he spoke up and he had been in the hospital for a couple of months with COVID himself. He had a really, really bad case. And he said he had never had an anxiety attack in his life until he was hospitalized for COVID. And he was not allowed to have visitors for the most part. And he said it was horrific to be all alone, having anxiety attacks and not being able to have a loved one with him. So, yeah, yeah, so there, um, There's some really good things happening. But what happened this week, Javier, was really concerning. So I had already come home from from visiting Nashville, um, and I was watching a health committee meeting waiting for the natural immunity bill to come up and before this health committee. When what's called a caption bill, we don't have these in Washington state. It's new to me, at least not that I'm aware of. I'll have to dig deeper. I've never seen them in Washington state, but it's new to me for Tennessee. So what can happen is a a legislator can file a bill that just has a caption. It just has a title and it might have like placeholder language describing it, some generic thing that doesn't really mean anything. Right. And then when it finally comes before the committee the sponsor of the bill provides an amendment that makes the bill so the file the actual language that this bill is going to be and there were two bills i know it is it's very sort of deceptive especially for the advocate citizen who wants Mm -hmm. to pay attention to what their government is doing because you have no time to prepare it's before the committee you didn't even have time to to send in your support or send in your opposition right so Um, One of the bills out of the blue said that it would allow dentists to give HPV vaccines.
2: Wait a minute. You said dentists?
1: Dentists to give HPV vaccines. Now, I know from my advocacy in Washington state that Merck has been pushing for years to get Mm. to expand administration of their shots to dentists. They've been pushing like mad. And even in Washington state, they had not been able to be successful. So it's no wonder that here they attempted to sneak it in with underneath the guise of a caption bill to avoid <clears throat> opposition. So we've got Makes to sense. Make, yeah. So that it, it was in the sub health and it also was in that full the next day in the full health. It was sprung. That's where I saw it in the full Senate health committee out of the blue. And I about fell out of my chair. Um, so it has one more health committee in the House to get through. And are we bringing uh, are we bringing in opposition? You bet. <laughs> OK, it gets worse. As bad as that is, you, it is still uh, parental consent would have to be given if it's your 11-year-old into the dentist's chair and the dentist is trying to talk him into a COVID shot, it still would require that. Um, fully informed consent is never given on these shots, but, you know, okay, it gets worse. So there was another bill, another caption bill, and it did with the general information, it addressed healthcare is all it said. This bill expanded The minor consent area of the law and went from saying that minors could get treatment for sexually transmitted diseases to they could get preventative treatment. Well, you and I know what a preventative treatment to an STD implies because we've been fighting that language in Washington state for years Um, Washington state did attempt to put it in their HIV legislation a few years ago. Um, But luckily we had advanced notice and they did things actually in the proper way where you had the opportunity to read about it. And we got them to uh, eliminate the HPV and HPV vaccine from the language of the law in Washington state. Um, So this bill, when the uh, Senator introduced it and the representative introduced it, they did not mention the word vaccine at all. And so these health committees were just told the unlikely story. We're just going to help minors um, be able to get treatment to prevent STDs um, like HIV. They did mention genital warts. Well, what's that? That's Gardasil. Um, That's Gardasil, exactly. and, and one of them even said... Oh, this even means that um, doctors can just tell a child that abstinence is a great way to avoid STDs. And um, so the word vaccine wasn't mentioned. And and we're at the stage of obsession right now where the bills are are being pushed through so fast. I mean, the It's like an auctioneer. Next up, you know, blah, blah, blah. Second the motion, I second the motion. Amendment makes the bill, bang, right? I mean, they're just flying through these things as fast as they can in these committees. They want session over. And um, so there was no time to think and they passed out of these um, subcommittees. And then I had a discussion with one of the offices of the bills who was trying to tell me that, no, 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 this doesn't have anything to do with vaccines. And I said, read the language of the bill. It does. And she says, no, 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 it's, it's for HIV. It's to prevent HIV. And I'm like, are you saying that they're going to give the drugs that prevent HIV? Those drugs are so dangerous. Um, Yeah. You should see the, um, I think that I'm going to, I'm going to go on over and look at. So it's not only HPV drugs and, and hepatitis, um, our HPV vaccine, hepatitis vaccine could be given. And this is without, in case I didn't explain this before, this is without parental knowledge or approval.
2: See, That is so dangerous. And again, this is, it is the overreach of the state saying we can make better decisions than the parents for the child's safety.
1: Yeah. So are you seeing this, Javier, this about PrEP? Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. So this is the CDC's page. Excuse me. So um, PrEP is pre-exposure prophylaxis, medicine for people at risk of HIV. And um, is it safe? And they've got some videos that you can watch. And it yes, it is approved by the FDA for use in adolescents. So when the office of the sponsor of this bill says they can be given treatments to prevent HIV, this is what they're potentially talking about. The language of the amendment would allow a doctor to encourage a youth without knowledge or approval of their parent to give this um so let's go over and look at let's see about prep um let me see where we have i think it's this one here in particular no well, that's it's where i was. up on the screen yeah yeah okay i'm going to do this i'm going to continue and click that your I'm screen sh- there we there go, we go. there we go so here's one of the products Um, you must be HIV negative before you start and while taking true VEDA for PrEP. Do not take it to reduce the risk of HIV unless you are confirmed to be HIV negative. And then you have to get tested every three months. So they're talking about giving a drug to a minor without parental knowledge or approval that would require a test to show they are currently not HIV positive. And every three months, this this minor has to be responsible enough to go back and get tested to make sure they are not. And why? Because if you are HIV positive, this drug becomes even more dangerous than it already is. So some of the serious side effects include Kidney problems, including kidney failure, too much lactic acid in your blood, severe liver problems, which in rare cases can lead to death, bone problems, including bone pain, softening, thinning, which may lead to fractures. Are you kidding me? So the little sentence, there's just one sentence in the, um, I'm going to stop sharing here, just one sentence in this bill that changes the law, it adds that healthcare providers without parental knowledge or consent can give to minors treatment to prevent STDs. So, I mean, you know, it's mind blowing. And so we are um, actively opposing that. So next Wednesday is a huge day in the Tennessee uh, legislature, health, full health committee, two p.m. in Nashville. Um, they, you want to bring your support to make ivermectin available behind the pharmacy counter for everybody, mm-hmm. and bring yes. your opposition to dentists giving HPV vaccines, and give your opposition to minors being able to consent without knowledge, approval to STD. Absolutely treatments. So you can go to standforhealthfreedom.com, click um, you'll find a map of and click on the state of Tennessee. And then you if you follow that action campaign, it lets you enter information and, and send a message directly um, to the legislators and directly to the health committee.
2: Should we go ahead and open up the lines for just general questions? Uh, there doesn't sure. seem to be much, uh, many people that have any questions regarding how to write to their legislators here in Washington. No, that's so how, true. How about some how about some 425-373-5527 action? 425-373-5527. And I guess the other number, I, I don't know what the other number is.
1: Um, It's in the chat there. It's 888-298-5569. 888-298-5569 people are probably a little bit shy but come on yeah, give call us in. <laughs> yeah don't be afraid call in now i didn't promote this in advance shame on me it's always better if you put out on social media and and send out an alert that you're going to be given that that call-in number um uh so, uh, so hopefully somebody will call and, and talk to us.
2: <laughs> well, what what is incredible is just again the the overwhelming numbers that have appeared at every state and at the federal level opposing the the approval of all these vaccines for mm-hmm. children. Uh, it is overwhelmingly ninety five to ninety eight percent people saying no, this is not a good yeah. idea. Stop. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's the only reason that there's actually a pause or at least some hesitation on the on the depart of the boards of health mm-hmm. uh, to stop this so mm-hmm. i can only imagine where the pressure is coming from that is causing yeah. these people to just continuously push for this or even suggest that they might actually think about doing this and yeah. if people have stories or information regarding that you know that might be something great to share how it didn't work or how it did work yeah. again we learn from our mistakes and learn from our victories
1: from our mistakes and from our victories, but the most important thing is now is the time to stand up and be heard. We must, you know. The I've got to tell you, um, and I'm I'm showing for those who are watching on on video here. I'll tell our radio listeners. I keep going back to Toby Rogers at Substack.com. He is working so hard to give you the information that you need. And the addresses of who you need to contact to stop emergency use authorization to the youngest children in this country. At the end of this, he gives you the contact information so you can write physical, write, telephone, and email Rochelle Walensky, the director of the CDC, Javier Becerra, secretary of health and human services, correct, uh, Ashish. Ja, I don't even know how to say his name correctly. Apologize there. The White House COVID czar, Al-A- How do you pronounce that one, Javier? Al-A- Alejandra Gurdman. Oh, very good. <laughs> hey, do you speak a second language? What do you speak? You rolled your R's. I speak.
2: To I speaks. Uh, well, I was born speaking both English and Spanish, mm-hmm. and I've also learned how to speak French.
1: Oh, very good. I'll give you these names. Uh, I can say Jefferson Jones. <laughs> very American. (laughs) Uh, And he's a medical officer, epidemiology task force, Matthew Oster, CDC COVID-19 vaccine uh, response, or CDC COVID-19 response. Um, Tom Shima Shima
2: Bukuro. Bukuro.
1: Thank you. Vaccine safety team, uh, CDC. Yeah. Oh, that meant a piece of work. Okay. I'm not going to say I'm going to back off there. Bernadette has tried to to, to really be good and never do ad hominem attacks. I'm going to try very hard to keep it on the data. I do not want to become ugly like the other side is. I want to keep a, a kind heart and just make this about the data. Um, Kevin Chatham Stevens with the Pediatric Vaccine Planning and Implementation Lead with the CDC. Kate Russell Woodworth, MD, Center for Disease Control and Prevention. Sarah Oliver, MD, also with the CDC. Melinda Wharton, with the AD Vaccine Policy and Clinical Partnership with the CDC. And then gives you all of the ACIP members. I tell you, the first time you do this, the first time you gather all of these names and you put them in your email and you get all your preparation work, that's going to be what is what will take you the longest to do. But once you've got that done, save that, you know, save a file, save something in your, uh, your email address book, and then you're good to go so that you can, moving forward, Communicate effectively, quickly with these individuals about why you oppose. You know, we have learned, Javier, that you cannot, complacency does not, is incompatible with democracy, with this great right. republic that we live in. Um, if you don't pay attention, you're going to have your freedom stolen from you. Anybody who has ever walked the halls of any state capital. You know, the first times you do it, at first, it's really interesting, the journey. Um, When you first go, you're intimidated. You're impressed with the title, representative, senator. You know, you're going to somebody's office. There's a legislative aide. You don't quite understand how the process works. You're told you have 10-minute appointment, right? Everything is overwhelming and intimidating, and you're nervous. But the more you go, And the more you understand about how the system works, who these individuals are, I tell you, eventually you get, so you're strutting down the hall because that's your capital by gun. You put on your boots, you put on your stomping boots, you walk those halls because this is your capital. You elected these officials. They work for you. Yes, you should treat them with professionalism and with the, the due respect of office, but They should fear you. You should not fear them. (laughs) Um, You need to bring it. They work for you. That's how democracy works. The, The other thing you begin to observe is how few citizens are walking the hall and how many lobbyists are there, professional lobbyists. And you can tell them because they are required to wear name badges that distinguishes them as a lobbyist. And every state legislature also publishes pamphlets every year with a list of the lobbyists and their photographs so you can get a copy of that and you can walk around the hall and say ah i know who you are you know and you can see how many pharma people are there how many hospitalists are there and you really see why it is um that votes tend to not go the way that you think logic and common sense says that they should go um But here's the thing, Javier, I never thought politics could be exciting, could make me passionate, make me want to get up in the morning and work even harder. But the more involved you are, the more you feel that way, the more empowered you feel. And when you get those victories begin rolling in, when you see bad bills die and good bills make progress, By gum, you realize the power that our founding fathers established in a government for and by the people. Um, But the time for complacency is over, you know, absolutely over.
2: Absolutely. And one of the primary jobs of government is to protect the rights of every citizen. Mm
4: -hmm. That's
2: the primary job. Everything else is secondary towards the actions. And any law that does that, that does not move forward. Mm -hmm. Protection of those rights is a is a sacred violation of the constitutional law of the state and of of the country. So you're absolutely right. Go in there strutting. Be -hmm. respectful. Be polite. Mm -hmm. but Be firm.
1: Be firm. firm. Yeah. I want to try to find for you. Oh, here's a good one. Uh, I wasn't searching for this, but I'm going to go ahead and, and share this one here. I'm looking on trial site news. There was a really ridiculous um, study recently. I don't even know if it's study. I think it's more of a position paper on ivermectin. They keep trying to shoot down hypermectin. but as I was just now searching for it, I found this article on low dose naltrexone as it emerges as an investigational long COVID therapeutic. And I, I think it's important to share this with our listeners because so many people out there um, know somebody impacted um, either by long COVID, which is you know months later after they experienced COVID-19, uh, they're still not feeling well. They still are having some health issues or they got the shot and they're experiencing symptoms that just won't go away. And in both of those situations, this product called naltrexone in low doses is proving to be very helpful. The FLCCC now has it in their long haul and COVID vaccine injury um, protocol. So I was glad to see that there are four clinical trials of low-dose naltrexone as an acute COVID-19 therapeutic um, being looked into. So have you heard of that product before? Javier?
2: I, I haven't, and I just had to look it up. Now, Trexone is sort of the brand name of Revia and Vivitrol, and it's actually used to reduce cravings and feelings of euphoria associated with substance abuse. So it's actually an anti. Um, uh, you normally used as an anti-addiction therapy or a recovery from addiction therapy. But before we jump in, I do want to put in a couple of two cents worth on mm-hmm. uh, treatment for long-haul COVID because I have particular expertise in this area So prior to prior to actually uh, going on and and doing what I did, uh, uh, what I do now in my professional life, I worked a great deal with hyperbaric oxygen therapy Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. um, and mostly in the area for the for the treatment of traumatic brain injury and veterans and people uh, that had suffered head injuries. Mm-hmm. And we were having great success. We were showing that you know we were having the ability to reverse a lot of symptoms and restore a lot of function from from a traumatic brain injury. And there's a lot of evidence that's coming out now that um, you can uh, treat many of the symptoms of long haul COVID with hyperbaric oxygen therapy. So there's many many different treatments that are coming online that don't rely on experimental and dangerous drugs. But there are many different approaches to it. And again. You Mm -hmm. can recover from it. This is a disease that you can recover from.
1: Yes. Yes. And I um, thank you so much for reminding us. And in the beginning of of COVID, we spent a lot of time um, talking about um, hyperbaric oxygen. We had uh, the wonderful radiologist, Dr. Ted Fogarty, on many times. Um, And I think that kind of indirectly is how you and I became acquainted through Dr. Ted Fogarty. That is correct. Um, yeah, and uh, so I know on healthyimmunitynow.org, a website that has um, treatment protocols for COVID. There is yes. information about hyperbaric, and I and I know that there. I'm going to go see if I can find. Oops, let's see. Are you still seeing this?
2: Uh, yes, I am.
1: Okay, good. Um, Let's see, so healthyimmunitynow.org is the website. Where do I have the ivermectin, the gargle? Oh, gargle. Uh, Let's talk about gargling again. One more time, for any viral infection, gargling with a product with essential oils such as Listerine or with a solution like a saline solution with a few drops of like Lugol's iodine, Will yep. kill a, a virus in where it's replicating in the mouth and the throat. You gargle, um, and you can do a nasal saline flush with um, with a little bit of iodine. There's studies on healthyimmunitynow.org that explain how that works. Yeah, fantastic, at just reducing the viral load. It's Something so simple and easy we can all do for any viral infection. But let's see, I wanted to go to.
2: It's right there. It's beautiful. Hyperbaric oxygen therapy.
1: Yeah. And there are some, I was trying to find. um... Oh, there's the white paper is linked there as well. Javier, that white paper about how they can convert uh, airplane fuselages into giant hyperbaric Chambers. So every That's airport right. tarmac could become these mass hyperbaric chambers to recover COVID patients and COVID um, long haul patients and COVID vaccine or shot injury patients. I want to see if this is the. Oh, here we go. Um, did it switch over to Hbot News Network?
2: It sure did. I can see it right now.
1: Okay. So I haven't been here in a long time. So I do thank you for bringing the subject up. I haven't have visited for a while, but I'm hoping they've kept up to date with the science behind using, there we go, COVID-19 long haulers find relief using hyperbaric oxygen therapy from March 7th of 2022. So we've got some good up-to-date information on this website so you will find this at hbotnews.org, h-b-o-t-news.org. Yeah, so good, 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 good. So um, back to the that drug, the naltrexone. naltrexone. Um Yeah, at, in full strength doses, it is used to help prevent addiction or ease you off of, of opioids. But naltrexone. they have they have found in low doses, it has a completely different mechanism of action. It can act as a pain reliever. It's anti-inflammatory. And I'm not completely familiar with how it's working and helping with long haulers, but it has been helping with where other um, treatments have failed to help with some of the symptoms of, of long haul COVID and vaccine injury. And, and it's, um, a product that's been out there a very long time. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it is a pharmaceutical drug, but I believe it is one of those, um, off patent. Correct. I believe so. Probably the pharma isn't too pleased. It's another <laughs> on the show. No.
2: <laughs> no. And one of the important things to remember is that, uh, remember that one of the, um, uh, factors, uh, one of the, um, um, uh, risk factors associated with, uh, with uh, COVID was anxiety, right? Mm-hmm. Well, naltrexone is associated with being able to block certain types of receptors. So the, the ability of this virus to, uh, promote, uh, you know, anxious states, probably in, probably in helping replication of the virus. Mm-hmm. Um, naltrexone probably dampens those signals by, by the way that they block certain, uh, opioid receptors, and other uh, partial receptors associated with their ability to block them.
4: Mm-hmm. That's
2: probably what's helping as well. It keeps people calm. And naltrexin probably helps with anxiety attacks.
1: Oh, very good. Now, yeah, anxiety has been associated with both long-haul COVID and with the, the vaccine. That spike protein Absolutely. Nasty thing. Um. It, it's pretty... When we really think about it, Javier, I'm not finding that ivermectin study quickly darn um i'll have to talk about it next week um is this the
2: brazilian study
1: uh no this, it was this new paper that came out from a couple of researchers with with dubious associations with a, a florida university university and it was published in a journal when you go look up the journal editors they're all work for pharma they're they all belong to a right. A, a drug company, and it try it, it tries to say that um, all ivermectin prescriptions in the U.S. need to stop <laughs> for COVID nineteen, and it's just it's absolutely absurd. It's the most biased. It, it's just crazy how they keep attempting to to trash the safe and effective product, um, and we know it's because ivermectin, a semi natural product. Derived from a fermented soil bacteria, yep. has been has been found to not only be antiparasitic, antiviral, anti-inflammatory, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but and and targeting, it's able to help prevent infection and reduce severe infection to not just the SARS-CoV-2 virus. Oh but a host of other viruses that the pharmaceutical industry is targeting with vaccines or drugs.
4: Mm -hmm.
1: So ivermectin undermines trillions of dollars in existing and potential profits for the drug industry. If it's full- Ability is known. It's so, it, it really should be in everybody's cupboard, just like a bottle of aspirin Correct. tends to be in everybody's cupboard.
2: And just be aware, everyone listening right now, Bernadette and I are not medical professionals, nor no. legal professionals. <laughs> no, we're not no. here to anything we stated it has to be taken with a grain of salt. You have to do yes. your own work, and we're not recommending or prescribing anything out there. So,
1: yeah, that's yeah. the
2: legal disclaimer.
1: Yeah, we're just given our opinion, and, and Bernadette is very opinionated. But, you know, that's that's what living an informed life is. You listen to all sides of, of the story. And, you know, because their side, the pharma side, the corporate-captured public health side has a, a billion-dollar marketing budget, and Bernadette does not, I'm okay with showing my bias. <laughs> You you know, because my voice has to carry a long way for very little money. And I give a huge shout out to our generous donors. You know, the people who make this show possible are people who are on a budget. It's your middle-class moms and pops go to work every day, you know, have to sit down and figure out, can I afford to do this this month or do I have to do that this month? And they give $5, $20 a month, whatever they can afford, or just an occasional donation in order to keep Informed Choice Washington um, doing what it's doing and to keep this radio show on the air. And, um, And Children's Health Defense, donors are the same way the work that they are doing is coming from uh, people around the world who really want yes. you know just to fund things for and by the people it's uh it's I, and i'm i have such gratitude for it and i said this in the first hour i'm going to say it again I am so grateful to KKNW, the radio station, for allowing free speech uh, to continue. They have, through all of COVID, allowed our share to be on the air. We try to always bring you as accurate information as we can to back it all up with citations, with science, with experts. We welcome diverse opinion, um, we would welcome anybody challenging what we have to say, give us the opportunity to to debate, but we could not do it if this radio station uh, was not honoring um, the great American um, cherished right to to free speech. So we thank them for that. Yeah, and across the U.S., I got to say, radio is is still a place where you can find. Um, a diversity of opinion that is not um, always what is coming out through official sources. Um, Absolutely. You know, I'm so grateful that it's hanging on. I feel like we're at this crux right now, Javier, when it comes to freedom of speech. Yes. For a while, it looked like everything was going to be shut down. Um, But I feel like, We're reaching a tipping point where the truth, just like that wonderful um, Kathleen in the first hour, I read that great email where she said, Bernadette, have hope. We actually are in a time period where there's more opportunities than there have ever been to reach. That's right. Everybody with the truth. Um, And I feel like that's where we are now, that I feel like we are reaching tipping points some places. Not that they're going to give up. Right? They are not going to give up easily. A trillion dollar industry who has goals to sort of turn this into giant cash machines is not going to give up easily. But it uh, does. I it think never does. I think free voices, more people than ever are learning what it is to be a free citizen and the responsibility that comes with it and standing up and making a difference. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. And that's something that needs to be shared because, again, information is the lifeblood of, uh, of, a, good, of a thriving democracy. Mm-hmm. And the ability to share that information is an essential component of being a citizen. So never let that stop you and always keep on looking for the truth out there. And mm-hmm. again, it takes some digging. Sometimes you have to dig through a lot of dirt to get down to the gold.
1: It does. And it takes a lot of courage. This is said as somebody who actually has really not much to lose. I've been doing this a long time, but I don't have a paid job. You know, I don't work somewhere. I work. I'm a pretty good boss to myself. I try to just do right by our members of the groups that I belong to. But it takes a certain amount of courage to to stand up. But I tell you, it's so empowering, Javier, isn't it? When you're standing in your truth, you sleep well. Um, because you know, you're doing what you can, you say your prayers, you pray to whoever, or however you communicate with that greater power. And you know, every day you're getting up and you're, you're standing in the truth and you're doing what you can to make the world a better place. And that's all that you can do. And, um, we're, we're making, uh, We're making some strides. I think we've reached the top of the hour. We didn't get any calls, but I know that people wanted to dial. So I'm going to encourage people next (laughs) time we put that phone number out there, please don't be shy. Please call in. Next time, we'll give you a little bit of a heads up so you can plan. There you go. Give us a call. (laughs) If you're listening to this recorded, sorry, you can't call in if the (laughs) live show is over. So, uh, anyway, Javier, you have a great weekend to all of our listeners. Thank you. We'll be back next week. Get active, get loud, stay peaceful, say your prayers, uh, make it an informed life. We got this. Take care. Bye now. During this unprecedented response to an infection outbreak, it has been made very clear that shutting down lives and businesses is not sustainable or repeatable. We've also learned that it's unnecessary. Treatments exist and always exist. For 99% of the population, nutrients and oxidative therapies that support the immune system and improve symptoms are always available to address viral infections. For the less than 1% who need more, Dot
0: org. Are you suffering from a sinking feeling that the COVID-19 pandemic is being blown out of proportion and that nothing in the news is making any sense? If so, then there is a fact-based, science-driven news show designed just for you. My name is Del Bigtree, and I am the host of The High Wire, the world's most trusted news source in digital media when it comes to accurate, science-based reporting on the COVID-19 pandemic. From COVID-19 vaccine development to mask mandates, school shutdowns to job layoffs, the high wire goes beyond providing you with the most accurate evidence-based investigations. We send you links to the sources for all of our reporting so that you can further your own investigation and come to your own informed conclusions.
5: Informed Choice Washington is a nonprofit organization that advocates for healthy immunity, medical freedom, and fully informed medical consent. The right to make medical choices without coercion is fundamental to our civil liberties and a basic principle in all human rights declarations. To learn more, tune in each Friday from 3 to 5 p.m. to an Informed Life radio and visit the website, informedchoicewa.org. It's time to take a stand for medical freedom. Go to informchoicewa.org today.